totally. It's totally. it's. I don't know if you've ever played it or seen it, but the game is literally you'll you'll play for like about thirty minutes, and then you'll get to a cutscene, or maybe the, not even thirty minutes, twenty minutes. Sometimes you'll get to a cutscene, and that cutscene is twenty to twenty-five minutes long. That's pretty cool. It's like you're playing. The gameplay can be really difficult, but it's almost like you're playing an interactive video movie in a way. But like the, it's filtered through the brilliance of the creator Hideo Kojima, who writes these incredibly intricate storylines that unless you're paying attention to every detail, you can get lost in. And it's just filled with like both big emotional moments and just what the fuck weird moments. And it's weird and beautiful and I love it. <laughs> That's beautiful. Hey, everybody. This is the Gals of Geekdom, and today is my last episode. I am here today with my co-host and beautiful human being, Crystal Williams, who I adore. Crystal, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Eva? I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm, do- I'm doing super great, actually. Things are uh, are really working out. Things are, are uh, you know, expanding on my side. I've got, like, more of these creative projects, and I keep... And the, I've got more of these creative projects than I can keep up with, and uh, it's really, really going well. That that sounds amazing. So to kind of give the official update on the show, I'm sure most of you have already seen our Twitter posts about it, if you follow us, because that's probably mostly where you get these episodes from, unless you're finding them through other means, which would be amazing too. But um, yeah, big update is that, as Eva said, this is her last episode of the show. And uh, I guess we're here to to lovingly sign her off as an incredible co-host, an incredible person, (laughs) and genuinely a really good, I mean, like a really great working partner. We had such a great working relationship, but I'm just so happy that she's doing so many other cool things that it's becoming impossible to keep up with the show. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've just got a lot going on. I told you about this, uh, this crazy YouTube show that, um, that I've been doing where uh, it's going to be a review show, but it's going to have sort of an ongoing story to it. That's going to be funny and amusing. I, I don't know if it's going to start off that way, but it's, so it'll start off as sort of a straight review show, but as the art uh, sort of gets done uh, for, for some of the other characters and some of the other stuff that's going to be happening in it, uh, that's all going to get gradually introduced. It's just sort of a big project for two people, you know? Um, oh Yeah. And to be fair, though, you know, anything you're in is immediately not a straight project. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) Sorry, I had to throw in that dumb joke. That's me. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Well, I can assure you it's going to be queer as hell, which is a good thing. You know, everything I do is queer. I mean, that's kind of part of the queer existence, right? That's true. I mean, there's no way around it. You know, if you're a queer person, especially if you're a trans person, I think, you know, at least if you're comfortable with the word queer, which I am, um, you know, everything com- you do is queer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, Chris, 
So, Crystal, yes. I guess uh, we should get to the uh, the meat of the show. Um, what are you reading right now? I honestly, I finished Red Sonia, which I don't know if I said on the po- I don't think I said it on the podcast. I finished Gail Simone's Red Sonia run, and that run was incredible. I don't know if I said it on the show. I don't remember. I, I forget things as soon as I record them, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I finished that. And honestly, recently I've just been watching shows instead of, you know, reading a lot. You know, my free time is more into the, you know, television and movie stuff. So right now I'm watching The Owl House on Disney+. Plus, and uh, nice. I love... I love me my animated shows that obviously start off cute and innocent, but get maybe not dark, but at least more real. And a lot, a lot of animation recently have done that. So, so like I started reading one. Um, the internet really wants to, wants to hear me talk about um, flaming carrot for some reason. Oh okay. boy! So I started reading the omnibus and. Uh, I, la- I loved the introduction by Kevin Eastman. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get, I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know what I thought I was getting. Um, but I, I read through it, and it's really, really tropey. It's like, oh boy. this book is not subtle. And I feel like, you know, maybe it's me, you know? Because this is the kind of thing that, like, I feel like there was a period in my life where I really would have gotten into something like this. But right right now I'm I'm just feeling that the whole thing is just sort of sort of tired and sort of played out. And I mean it's got some really cool concepts that it's playing with and it's got villains that are sort of ambiguous and a character that's that's like literally messed up. Um Flame, turns out Flaming Carrot got his powers from reading too many comics. <laughs> <laughs> he read 5,000 comics and that just warped his mind forever and um, yeah that, that, that's what I'm reading right now um, and it's it's not bad for, for what it is it's 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 actually pretty good um, it's just I don't know I, I, I feel like for me at this point in my life this isn't this is not the kind of book I enjoy reading today you know me it's okay. me 2001 to through 2005 would have absolutely loved something like this but you know since then I have been bombarded and I think we all have I have been bombarded with tropey superhero parody after tropey superhero parody um, and that's that's exactly what this is in fact this is the quintessential superhero parody you know what I mean this right. is like the first, the first big one um and it's it's not awful, and for what it is, it's it's really good, I guess. Um, it's just not for you. Not right now. Of course, that not could right change. Now. Like you know, that could change anytime. I might wake up one morning and say, you know what, I just need something over the top with too much narration and a character that's gung ho as fuck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and, yeah I and now I, and now I, I know where to go for that. I haven't heard of that actually until you just brought it up. So, but I, I like you know I'm not super into the the comic scene, but I do appreciate it as you know. <laughs> um, That's cool. It's, um, the, it sounds the other one. It sounds fun. It is. It is. 
And uh, yeah. the other one I've been uh, a television show I've been watching lately. I watched the whole thing because it was just so good. Was uh, was Barry? Have you seen Barry on HBO? I haven't yet, but I've wanted to ever since I see that show keep winning Emmy awards. Oh, like it's so good. Okay, so here's the premise: Barry is a hitman from Ohio. He's he's ex-military and he's one of these people that. And I've met people like this that, uh, you know, was in the military and realized that the only only thing he was he was good at in life was killing. So when he got out of the military, he met this guy who uh, started hooking him up with jobs to kill people. And he's not normal. Barry, he's he's socially maladjusted. He's um, he's probably on the on the spectrum somewhere. Um, if he doesn't read social cues very well, he gets better at it gradually through the series. But and he doesn't he doesn't really think ahead or think through the pain that his actions as a killer cause. You know what I mean? He and, doesn't really uh, understand it. He just does it. Right, right. Exactly. So then he falls into this acting class as he's you know staking out somebody for a hit, and he discovers that he has a love for acting and then huh. chaos ensues of course and it's beautiful it is it is uh what i love about it is i think this is the first television show i don't i, I think really the first television show i think i've ever seen um where the characters all feel like people that you know oh, they, great. Feel like, they feel like the creative types that you and i would hang out with in real life you know they're they're poor struggling actors and they're real and they have motivation and they're quirky and they're funny and they're idiocentric. I think this is one of the best shows I think I've ever seen. Just just oh, in general. Wow. Huge huge phrase. Yeah, it's fantastic. Nails the mobsters too. I was traveling through Texas one time, mm-hmm. job, and I was contracting with this one company. Um, that I later found out was run by the Russian mob. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, well, they were they were the nicest guys in the world, though. That's the thing about it, and that's who the characters in the show reminded me of. You know, <laughs> really, really nice mobsters. Okay. People exist. <laughs> I guess people and, are a lot uh, more complicated than what they appear to be. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Maybe it's a subverted trope. Um, but people like this exist in real life, and I've run into a few of them. Never had any trouble with them, thankfully. But uh, yeah. oh boy. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's Barry for you, and uh, it's fantastic. I'm liking it. Um, let's see. Beyond that, I'm reading. Oh, I just finished reading Space is Awful. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Space is Awful is about a janitor who um, he gets abducted by aliens. And he finds himself in an alien gladiatorial match. And they give him all kinds of weird superpowers and stuff like that so that he can fight these giant aliens and monsters and stuff like that. And uh, it's really charming and wacky, just the whole thing. Well, it seems fun. Yeah, that's that's such a fun concept. A lot of quirky stuff. It's really quirky. So I started reading Crossover. Um, Right now, I don't really know where it's going. And I think I'm going to put it down for a little bit. And I'm going to... I'm going to read it in trade. 
I think this is one of those books that's just going to be better in trade paperback on the binge, you know, just sit down one night for maybe an hour or two with a cup of wine and just read the whole thing, you know? That's, yeah, that's, I get that. Just to go right, right straight through it, you know? Totally. fun. Yeah. Um, Seems like you've chosen some really interesting variety of comics to read right now. And you're watching a good show, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just finished it. Oh, I also finished Rick and Morty. Okay. Got through season four. And uh, they did this one episode um, about uh, acid baths, like the kind the Joker would fall into. Okay, and, right. Yeah, it was great. It was the darkest thing they've ever done, but um, <laughs> it was amazing. I, I, I don't know why. I, I sort of get why, why the hate for uh, for Rick and Morty exists. Uh, just because the fans of it are really weird. Uh, but the show itself is interesting. It's one like of those it. scenarios where the show is really good, but it cultivates a weird subset of the fandom that doesn't get that the the whole thing is steeped in a giant sense of irony and you're not supposed to like a lot of these characters. So they become super I, toxic about it. You know? Right. Well, the, the whole idea is that, you know, life is meaningless and that, we're all, you know, deluding ourselves by thinking that there's meaning. And what's even the point if there's a multiverse, you know, where millions of us can be a million different people inconceivably just, you know, on and on and on and on. It's straight up Nietzsche, the whole thing. You know, it's a whole show devoted to God is dead, basically. Do you you think that is the actual, like, necessary theme or do you think that they're taking that sort of concept and trying to to top turn it on its head a bit i think it's a discussion um okay because I, 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 I get a little bit where you're where you're going and i can see like the cynicism in it, in it but i also see it's an observational point that maybe having some of these ideas and values are inherently bad do you get what yeah. i mean well, yeah, but, and you see the consequences of it. I mean, you know, Rick loses his family over and over and over again throughout the show. I think there's it. a lot to discuss about the, this. <laughs> I, I need to catch up. It's I, I stopped at, like, season two, um, not because I don't think it's a good show. I think it's a very funny show. It's just because other things got in the way, you know. That last episode was exceptional. Okay. <laughs> it, it was really good. It was where... Uh, uh, his daughter comes back from space, and uh, we don't know who's the clone and who's not. Because you remember that one episode, I think it was in season two or maybe season one, where uh, where Rick says, you know, you could just go off into space and I'll put a clone here and whatever, you know. Well, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that happened already. <laughs> and uh, so she comes back. Seeming so it does where they, they set up jokes earlier on and they pay them off later. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, the rest of development. We we'll do yeah. that. Yeah, we also had Pickle Rick in uh, season three, which was exceptional. I saw that episode. That is an episode outside of season two that I did see, um, and that was a funny episode. It's weird how that's become like the giant sort of meme to center around it, but there's a little bit more of a of a point to that episode. But I guess it get lo- gets lost in the ridiculousness of it. <laughs> Well, well, the point was that he's pathologically afraid of therapy and will do anything to get out of it. Right, exactly. Which <laughs> just helps to explain the character traits and the philosophy. Yeah. It all ties exactly. in. 
it's a it's it's a, it's a funny show it's a smart show i totally understand why it's super popular you know and i i i understand the other side of people not liking it because of that but i do think it maybe should get a little bit of credit for being a little bit better than some people like to uh, paint it you know there again i think it goes back to the fans you know yeah um, it's really bad and we see this in other places in fandom too it's not just the rick and morty fans it's also the snyder cut fans you know and the joker fans and the, the yeah. walter white fans who just don't understand the characters yeah and you see the thing is i've watched all of these things and enjoyed them yeah you know? it's just um, all misinterpretation I, yeah yeah, well, it's no interpretation at all, really. You, you see it on the screen. You assume that anything the protagonist does is good. Right. And uh, and you hold that guy up as a role model for some reason. Uh, Walter White is a cautionary tale, you know. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. I mean, that's why he ends up where he ends up in the end. I don't want to spoil, for, but I know it's an older show, but, you know, I still don't want to say too much. No, no, you're right. Uh, and, and The Watchmen is is not a model for how superhero movies should be. It's a cruel, cynical parody of superhero movies from start to finish, just like the book was. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot that people miss when they when they don't stop to think about these things, when they just sort of take everything uncritically at face value. And I think I'm guilty of that, too, a little bit. Like, I think everyone's guilty at some point, but I think it's uh, when you're studying art and long enough, you can really learn to see the things, not see what you want to see out of it. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, I, I worry that, that I'm not even a good critic, you know, because I'm very oh, easy to please as a consumer, <laughs> you know? I, I Trust me, I feel, I feel very similar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so, like, you've talked to David Avalone, right? Well, yeah, the show. He was awesome. He's great. I love him. So one thing he does, right, is he has this thing where when he'll watch a movie, he'll pick up on, like, every reference in that movie somehow. Right. And I don't, I don't know how he does this. But what he does is he'll watch a movie and he'll analyze it as he's watching it. So, like... If there's a musical cue or a, a clip of stock footage from some other film or something like that, he'll use his his broad you know knowledge of the topic to say, oh well, that comes from here and well that comes from there. And this music here, yes, it's original, but it's really a pastiche to this piece of music from this movie. And I would just sit there and go like, um, yeah, I kind of enjoyed the King King fighting scene, you know. <laughs> I would say both, both, both viewing of the material is is totally valid. <laughs> the little intricacies versus just the I like big things go boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm more of the latter, you know. Okay. <laughs> I like big things go boom kind of girls, <laughs> you know. But uh, I, I mean, it was it was really intense, you know, having him on the show, and I, I felt like what he did was. He taught me through the interview that there is another way to do this, and I, I think I uh, I think I learned something from talking to him. It was great. Edu education. <laughs> totally, totally. This is why I love talking to you know thinking intelligent people. It uh, 
there's always something that you can learn from them. I always try and take it. I mean, obviously, I like learning from people who are smarter than me. But I also like talking to people in general because I do feel like you can learn from people um, who don't think in necessarily the same way. You know, you can understand people a little bit better. But I do get what you mean. (laughs) Oh, totally. Totally. And, you know, sometimes you just click with people. It could be like a perfect stranger. And, you know, you get on a web call with them and all of a sudden, you know, there's chemistry there. You know, and you have just this amazing conversation that flows really, really naturally, sort of like you and I do, you know. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great feeling when, when it works that way. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I love that. <laughs> I feel like uh, this show in general, there was a lot of natural chemistry that came out from just us doing this, you know. Because, you know, there's one thing versus when talking to a stranger, you know, getting to know them through messages and stuff. But it's another when you can either see and or hear their voice. Oh, yeah, completely. Completely. And uh, Um, it's pretty cool. So you were talking about the stuff that uh, that you were watching, about how it's mostly television and uh, and movies, right? Yeah. Yes. I I mainly watch TV. And I let you out of that uh, without uh, asking about the uh, the little intricate details. So come on, let me have the dirt. What are you What are you watching? What are you listening to? Specific. Uh, I usually watch a, a lot at the at a time, but um, like I watch a lot of TV. Um, but like you know, Big Sky on ABC. I've got you know Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I'm into. I've got. Uh, the Boys on Amazon. I've got High Castle that I'm trying to catch up with. There's a lot I switch back and forth between. I mainly mentioned Owl House because that's the show that I watch primarily alone. The other ones I watch with family. But I do like all those other shows too. They're all excellent. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I guess one nerdy detail that I did notice, if you're talking about the nitty gritty, I was watching the Owl House and uh, I just noticed in like episode two, there's a straight up reference to um, Metal Gear Solid, and I laughed out loud because it's it's it wasn't like a really obvious line that they took from it. It was a deep cut, and I was just like, "You had to you had to be a super fan to put this in the scene, you know?" <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was like uh, it's a it's a family show, but it's just referencing a game that's over 20 years old, made for adults, you know? It's it's like it was crazy. Uh, the line, by the way, is one of the characters asks, um, do you believe that love can bloom on the battlefield? <laughs> and I, I love that line for the original game, and I just love that they put it in there, because it was just like, you, you had to be in the know to get it, you know what I mean? Were you the one that tweeted about that? I did, yeah, that was me. <laughs> awesome, awesome, because I, I swear I saw a couple of people um, tweet that line out. And I'm like, it was definitely me. I have no idea what that <laughs> yeah, it's it's Metal Gear Solid, so I'm a fan of that whole series. I never talked about it on the show so far, but I'm a huge fan of the Metal Gear Solid series. It's uh, it's beautiful, it's big, it's weird, and it's cinematic. And it did cinema cinematic storytelling in games before a lot of a lot of video games tried to do it. You know, totally. It's totally. it's. I don't know if you've ever played it or seen it, but. The game is literally you'll you'll play for like about 30 minutes 
and then you'll get to a cutscene, or maybe the, not even 30 minutes, 20 minutes sometimes, you'll get to a cutscene, and that cutscene is 20 to 25 minutes long. That's pretty cool. It's like you're playing... The gameplay can be really difficult, but it's almost like you're playing an interactive video movie, in a way. But, like, the, it's filtered through the brilliance of the creator Hideo Kojima, who writes these incredibly intricate storylines that unless you're paying attention to every detail you can get lost in and it's just filled with like both big emotional moments and just what the fuck weird moments and it's weird and beautiful and i love it (laughs) that's beautiful um so i do recommend those games but i will say that going back to the early entries it's definitely difficult because they are dated you know, we're talking about PlayStation 1 game, you know? Mm, yeah. So you're like, oh, this definitely feels old. You <laughs> know, um, <laughs> games age weird. It's like movies age age fine because you can just go back and be like, I'm just watching the experience. But with this gameplay, you have to kind of like get your mindset wrapped around how they used to develop games and the controllers and the games in general. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. I was just thinking about something like that with um, with special effects. You know, I oh, feel oh, like yeah. n- only now, really, that we're at a point with special effects in movies where something could stand out for 20 years, you know, uh, just because the effects look so realistic now. Um, yeah. But we've got a whole era, you know, between 1970 and... I want to say 2015, where um, those special effects just don't hold up, and they're they're never going to. Yeah, well, CG. If you're talking about specifically with CGI, then yes, I would say with practical stuff, there's some great looking stuff in a lot of those old movies, especially the 80s. You know. Oh, totally. Practical effects are a totally different deal. So I was on a podcast with uh, with Ant, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about um, Freddy, that that one Freddy movie where it's uh, uh, the one where the one where Freddy, uh, New Nightmare, where where Freddy is is not really Freddy Krueger, but in fact this age old demon, the one who's trapped in fairy tales. Right, you know, New that, Nightmare. I've, I've I've been meaning to see it. I do know the story of it, but I need to see that movie actually because I haven't seen it. <laughs> you know, it held up surprisingly well, and the practical practical effects in it were amazing. Um, until they tried to CG fire into it, and I swear to God, like the end was was totally ruined for me because it looked like what they were doing was just taking that fire gif you see everywhere on the internet and pasting it into a movie. That's literally what they did. Of course, you know this is years before the fire gif, but it's the same graphic, it's the same effect. Do you remember and, what uh, year that came out? Oh God, like, yeah, it was like ninety-one or two. Yeah. So, like CGI, but not contacting ILM, which was doing The Abyss and uh, Terminator 2 around that time. Because that looks pretty good. Like, sure, it's a little dated, but like for what it had, it looked really good. So they probably didn't have the budget to go to ILM. Right. So they just basically copy pasted fire over the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell they did it with Director 2 because. Uh, Director was the program that we had before Premiere by Adobe, and uh, oh, okay. it has tells. You know, okay. you can tell that it, when things are director-based. 
for a while it was also sort of like the flash that was better than flash you know it did oh, sort of okay. everything it, it was a really weird program but it was great that's probably why they used it mm-hmm. oh that's i mean yeah a lot of those movies when they start to throw in the cgi it's just weird you know yeah <laughs> um it's cgi that doesn't hold up so well i would say practical works well, you know the the practical, um, like the practical thing that they did with the uh, the miniatures of the the city that was, you know, just sort of shaking and falling apart. That was cool. Yeah. It did not the fire in that scene. I don't know why they did it. It just looked silly. It's it's always weird when they make those choices and start using CGI in places. Did you know the um? This is a weird random horror movie, sort of like tangent. But did did you ever hear of the the I think it was 2011 or 12. I can't remember what year, but it was the prequel to the thing. Did you hear about that one or see that one? No, I didn't know it existed. Okay, so it was promoted like a reboot, but it actually wasn't. It was an actual direct prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing, and mm. um, which was really interesting. The filmmakers like spent a whole bunch of money in the actual studio or the people working on it um built animatronics built puppetry built and and the whole goal was to use those and they did but then this universal for whatever fucking reason decided you know what we're gonna cover every moment of that with a cgi creation so none of the practical monster effects which some of the behind the scenes stuff has leaked online um go is in the movie and those looked amazing the practical and the cgi it takes it out of the sequence oh yeah well did you see some of the um some of the stuff that recently leaked from uh the toby mcguire spider-man where they had a a green goblin costume that looked really good and then they, they settled in the end for this really stupid-looking thing that, that actually showed up in the movie. You know, oh, they the, had, like, um, this animatronic head. And, yeah. Because it, it, was, it, was yeah. it was a prosthetic makeup kind of creature, but the movie went with the with the with uh, him wearing a suit instead. Yeah, and, and the suit... I've always felt that the, uh, the suit was stupid, and I, I wish we would have gotten... A scarier Green Goblin. I don't. I think Raimi would have wanted a scarier, right? I hope so. But... I mean, that's. I mean, that's how we got the incredible sequence in Spider-Man Two, if you remember which one I'm talking about. That's just what? very distinctly Raimi. Do you remember? Do you know which one I'm referring to or no? No, not off the top of my head. There were a lot oh. of good sequences in Spider-Man Two, and when you say good sequence in Spider-Man Two, it's true. It's the whole for, movie. The for first me. thing. Well, well, the first thing that pops to my mind is, you know, some of the web slinging yeah. that, that happened in Spider-Man 2, because that was breathtaking. Oh, yeah. The um, I think what I was referring to specifically is the whole sequence where the um, the surgeons are working on um, Do- uh, Do- Doc Ock, and they're, like, going to cut through the, um, the, te- the robotic tentacles. Do you remember that scene? I think so. Okay. So... I would recommend going back and watching that scene on YouTube or whatever. Um, 
that sequence is like a little mini horror movie because the whole thing is like they're gonna start to work and to start to drill on it but then the way that Raimi decided to shoot it was incredible he used shadow to show the um the the robotic tentacle like sort of coming to life and the whole thing is just he it murders all the surgeons that are in that room while they're screaming and then there's like a great shot where one woman is being pulled away and her her fingernails are scraping against the floor as it's like <laughs> do you remember that at all or vaguely vaguely it's like a, uh... definitely watch it to remind yourself because as a fan of uh Raimi's other works especially like evil dead you know like that sequence has his imprint all over it from the way it's shot to the way that it's edited and it's paced it's like I feel his filmmaking ability more in that sequence than I do in like the other films and not not to say that the movie the rest of it's bad it's just I felt his style you know what I mean yeah totally yeah totally I'll have to check it out definitely I'm about you for a rewatch on that one anyway okay just think of me when you when you think of that and think of Evil Dead if you've seen it I don't know if you have but it's uh have you I'm not very good at horror movies Crystal okay okay you know, okay yeah yeah general. yeah just watch the scene. You'll appreciate it as a little mini horror movie inside of a big horror movie. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. I will. I will actually go in and, and check that out. When you're watching it, just keep that in mind. You know, it's like, well, this is like a little mini horror scene. It's awesome. Cool. <laughs> and, it, and of course, it was PG-13, so they couldn't get away with showing too much. But they did it. They did what they could with it. And it's incredible. Um, one of the reasons why that's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, wait, second favorite. Sorry, my favorite live action. My favorite is Spider-Verse. Okay, that's fair. Into the Spider-Verse is really the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Uh, yes. Animated or live action. Yes. Bar none, there's never been a better Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. But we agree on that. Yeah. No, Spider-Verse is incredible. Um, Spider-Man 2, um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is my favorite live action. Because um, I think Raimi was a, a really talented filmmaker. Or is a really talented filmmaker, I should say. Neat. Oh. So, uh, Wanda WandaVerse is coming on Christmas Day. Are you excited? Wait, is 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 the announcement Christmas Day? I thought it was January. WandaVision. Yeah, no, it's coming. It's coming on Christmas Day. I heard. Okay, I am excited anyway. I'm really excited for that show. <laughs> Um, yeah, me too. I'm excited for how weird it is. I'm excited for all the behind-the-scenes information about it. Um, I was reading about um, the first episode um, in the Entertainment Weekly article they did, and I found it really fascinating that they wanted to make it like a sitcom. So they actually got a bunch of like got the studio audience, like it's like an actual studio audience in while they were recording, um, and they made everyone sign NDAs, and they did all of the special effects of her magic practical on the set with wires and strings. And they did it live in front of an audience. Oh, I know. It's it's super exciting. Just the whole thing. Plus, obviously, it's going to lead in. They, they confirmed it's leading right into um, Doctor Strange with uh, nice. the new film. Because they said they said it, WandaVision directly ties into, I think they said Ant-Man for sure. But I definitely heard um, Doctor Strange in the, the Multiverse of Madness. So cool. that's going to be super awesome. And I have a feeling Loki will probably also tie in in a weird way, but we'll see. I'm 
I'm super excited about Loki. I'm I'm like thrilled. Yeah, I I think I think I don't I don't know which one of those three is going to end up being my favorite, but I think it'll probably be Loki or Wanda. I'm super excited for for um you know Falcon and and Winter Soldier um because you know it's more mm-hmm. Marvel, but I feel like those other ones are going to take things in a little bit weirder direction. I, I could take or leave Falcon and Winter Soldier personally. You're not you're not excited or? Yeah, I'll watch it. I have Disney Plus, and I'm not watching Mandalorian because, you know, me yeah, and yeah, Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, 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 I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just say that Mandalorian ended really great, and I'm happy, and Star Wars makes me happy. That's all I need to say. <laughs> I'm glad. That's yeah. awesome. Well, um, Crystal, I, I can tell by the position of the sun in the sky that uh, it's it's about time to go. No, I understand that completely. Um, I wanted to say, I know this is the last episode that we're going to do together of this. This will definitely not be the last episode that we ever record of a podcast. But in terms of the the Gals of Geekdom show, this will be the last time that we will be together. Um, I wanted to say thank you for leading the podcast and helping to establish it and create something that I think is going to continue to be awesome. Um because I think by continuing by your example, I'm going to do my best to make this, you know, as incredible as we all hope it to be. Um, and I'm very happy and grateful to get to know you and to get to do the show with you. And we're gonna, I'm gonna miss having you here, but I'm just so excited that you're moving on to things that are, you know, yours, and you get to have time to create your own world. So. Thank you, Crystal. You are you are you are seriously a sweetheart. I very, I can't help seriously. it. You are amazing, and I appreciate you. I appreciate and you too. Let me let me tell you. You know the the process of of creating and uh, you know working through this and sort of learning the ropes of podcasting, like uh, like I did here, was uh, it was it was enlightening and it was fun and. I couldn't have done it without without you and Aaron just being amazing people, you know, and I, I have no doubt that this show is going to continue to be fascinating and interesting without me, uh, just because you're that good. I mean, Thank honestly, you. Crystal, you are the talent behind this whole thing. Oh, you keep things together. <laughs> I try. Uh, you know, it's 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 a pleasure. It's really kind of a bit of bright spot in 2020 dark year. <laughs> yeah totally yeah it's been a really nice creative outlet and obviously getting to know you more and all that getting to know Aaron getting to do the show and to talk to amazing people like David Avaloni and to talk to um, Miracle Man earlier on and get to talk to um, Ren and all those amazing people we had on as guests but I'm going to continue obviously having more amazing guests and you are always welcome back on the show but obviously you can do your own thing too. It's all good. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. I'm happy to pop in now and then or uh, as a guest if you want me. Sure, but I I won't, I won't make you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, um oh, uh so I've got two other podcasts going on right now. I'm on um Titular Characters, which is available anywhere you look. Uh, for a podcast 
as well as uh, Nerdfic Strangers. I'm the lucky co-host on that one, too. And uh, that's another one. It's sort of like this one, similar idea. Um, they're, they're a little more structured than we are at, uh, at Gals, but uh, it's, it's a pretty good podcast. It's a lot of fun, and uh, that's where they find me on the web, uh, characters.evame. Dot M, or dot Eva Web dot me is uh, is the website for tits titular characters my show that's that I guess yeah follow follow Eva online make sure you listen to every single episode of every podcast that she's on at least three times you know you just have to that's... get those listens in to get those numbers up got those are rookie numbers you got to pump that shit up. Right, I've, and I've got 27 hours of podcasting under my belt right now, so like that's a lot of listening to, I guess. <laughs> well, you got you got a. How many days is it till um, till New Year's? We could just gotta like every day until New Year's Eve. You just gotta keep listening every day. That's the first thing you should do when you wake up. You know, totally. roll roll out of totally. bed, play the episode. <laughs> yeah, and 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 my podcasts are are fun. They're always good. I, I'm always talking to somebody interesting. Like right now, I'm oh, talking to somebody <laughs> interesting. Oh, stop <laughs> it, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, this has been a really fun final episode with us. Uh, it's been... It actually has been uh, one of the things I wanted to mark off our list with, with people we wanted to do. I wanted to do an individual episode with you, so... This kind of works out beautifully. Sorry, Erin couldn't be here for, for your final episode, but things happen. Sorry, audience, that she, but she will be back, and she is a continual part of the show. And I hope to lead the show into all sorts of new and interesting and exciting directions and maybe even see some new blood pop in. Maybe this gets me yeah, some new people. Fantastic. And there is a 100% chance that I will be out there and I will be listening. So uh, it's gonna, I'm, I'm really excited. To, to see what the gals do uh, in the future. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for the future. And I will listen to your podcast every day. <laughs> oh, thank you. Of course. Well, we've delayed the inevitable long enough. I think the uh, I think it's it's time for us to finally say bid adieu to this episode of... I don't know what number episode this is of the Gals of Geekdom podcast, but it is twi- <laughs> it will be a memorable one. I think it's 10 or 11. Okay. Maybe. Something it, like it that. It might be issue nine. I don't remember. Something it's along the lines. It's issue something. Issue something. It's a comic book issue. So if you if you don't get our joke. <laughs> it's, yeah. Anyway, Crystal, I love you. I love you too. And uh, if you want, if you want more from us in terms of our social media, you can follow Eva on at Eva is adorable. Is that, that the correct handle, right? Yep, that, that's where you can okay. find me. And then you can also follow me or the show. Follow me at Crystal W Rocks. You can also follow the show at Gals of Geekdom. So check that check us out. Um, support us. Hey, if you like the show, write a review on iTunes. You know that helps us get better in terms of the uh, algorithm. Um, but but uh, it's time for us to say goodbye. Um, Eva, I love you. Thank you for being a part of the show. I love you too, Crystal. You're the best. All right. 
Until next time, everybody, this is the Gals of Geekdom podcast, and we're signing off. Bye!